Well, tonight we wrap up John the Baptist. I didn't put anything up on Facebook today, but if I did, <laughs> it was going to be... No, you didn't miss it. I didn't put it up. If I did, I was going to put up something along the lines of how is it that someone as great as John the Baptist would be allowed to be executed the way that he was? Because we all like that phrase. Well, not, not everybody here, but you no know, Christians. We like that phrase, God is in control. You know, if, <laughs> if God is in control, why does his, his main prophet get executed on a whim? So we're going to look at that and a few other things here. So much in this uh, passage of Scripture here in Mark chapter 6. We're going to pick up at verse 14. Now King Herod heard of him, him being Jesus, and his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said it is Elijah. Others said it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. Who did you hear that from before? Do you remember when the disciples were asked, who do people say that I am? That's exactly what they said, isn't it? <laughs> but when Herod heard, he said, This is John, whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. Now, this demonstrates that the, the insanity that goes on today is no different from the insanity that went on before. It still continues to go on. First off, he says this about John the Baptist when he heard about him. John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. So they're associating the powers that are at work at Jesus because it's John the Baptist raised from the dead. And yet all the time in John the Baptist's ministry, we never heard of miracles. All we heard that he preached righteousness, repentance, and that he baptized people. There was no miracles. There was nobody healed. There was nobody raised from the dead. So in Herod's mind, the resurrection of John into Jesus, now doing completely different things from what he did before, makes total sense. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? So when Herod heard about Jesus, so Herod's, Herod's conclusion that John has risen from the bed, first off, news of good, great, or tragic can lead us to make conclusions. When we hear, when we hear things happen that are good, something good happens in your life, how many of us want to reach a conclusion that I must have done something good? If we have something great that happens, we come to the conclusion that whatever I did here, I want to duplicate it so that it happens again. If something bad happens, we come to a conclusion that something that we did, something that was said, somehow has brought this thing about. We don't necessarily know that it has, but we've come to that conclusion. And people come to conclusions all, all kinds of times. How many times have you tried to explain the truth that you know on any topic, not just a religious topic, but any topic, and tried to explain it to them? That won't work. That's not going to happen that way. This is, and you try and explain the truth to them. Oh, no, no, no. We've already come to a conclusion. We heard this and we came to this conclusion. It's like, how do you get to that conclusion? But that's what they do. You know, it's just like when we were, when I was a kid growing up, how many remember that uh, aerosol cans were destroying the world? Remember that? You used to, you used to have deodorant, deodorant just you came out of a bottle you had, had spray. Thank God I grew up in the era that we did because we used to take those little cans of sure detergent or sure um, uh, deodorant and the only ones who did it. I guess uh, the ladies, if you had secret, it was the same thing, but there was these particular caps that would put on there and they were different from all the other aerosol caps. These ones were unique and we used to take them off 
in college and we would put them on shaving cream containers. And then you can go around and, it's, and just spray it, spray a stream of shaving cream right out. We had great shaving cream battles as a result of sure deodorant. <laughs> it was wonderful stuff. But, you know, once they got rid of that, you, you don't have the sure deodorant tops anymore. And now you can't have uh, shaving cream fights that way. Now you've got to put your finger in front of the thing and try and get the same. But it was so much easier. Take that little sure top, put it right on top. They came to the conclusion that it was your little aerosol cans that were causing a hole in the ozone. So therefore, all you folks are evil and your aerosol cans needed to go away. And then they also changed the Freon up in your uh, car. Now, instead of a nice cheap can of Freon, you got to get the expensive stuff. So it costs a lot more to get the air conditioner in your car recharged because of those conclusions they came. Now, it's kind of unique that the ozone layer has, has come back to, together. had absolutely nothing to do with nuclear testing, I'm sure. I mean, if I was going to come to a conclusion, I thought that testing all those nuclear bombs, that that could put more of an impact on the ozone layer <laughs> than your little aerosol can. But, of course, that's what the conclusion they came to, or at least the one they were trying to sell people on. And if you went up and tried to tell anybody that your aerosol can was not hurting the atmosphere, how many of y'all know they knew better? And they'd come after you for it. Well, we come to the conclusions. Herod came to this conclusion. It's, it, there's no fact based on this at all. It's all it was. He heard about Jesus. That Jesus was going about doing miracles. And when he heard that Jesus was going about doing miracles, he comes to the conclusion that this is John the Baptist raised from the dead. Now, if you were to lay out the facts that Jesus was born six months after John, that they grew up together. That Jesus was alive when John was alive. So how can Jesus be the resurrected John when Jesus was here before? <laughs> don't confuse them with the facts. We don't need to know the facts. We just come to the conclusion that this is John the Baptist. Uh, the reason for it, uh, I put in your outline, news of things good, great, or tragic can lead us to make conclusions. And we can easily go to our greatest fear. Most times people run to a conclusion, they come to a great fear that they have. Or our favorite deception. Either one that we bought into or one we're trying to sell. We'll generally go to one of these kind of things. And we'll hang on to that conclusion even though it's not based in fact and we'll not receive any facts in regard to it. Because of, of, the, of these things. We've got to be real, real careful. I tell you all the time, be careful about you know, arranging your diet around what people are saying is healthy and not healthy. Le learn to listen to your spirit. Your spirit will tell you. If your spirit says, don't drink milk, then don't drink milk. If your spirit says, go ahead, then have all the milk you want. <laughs> don't worry about the studies. Because they have a study one time that says milk is bad for you, and a study another time that milk is good for you. They have a study one time that eggs are bad for you, then eggs are good for you. You know all the different ones that they've, they've uh, come up with. And, you know, the secondhand smoke is going to kill you. Now secondhand smoke won't hurt you at all. I, you have to look at who's funding the, um, the studies. A lot of times that will tell you why they came to the conclusion that they did. But it was going on back then. And we saw other places in the Word of God. This is just where it's very, very blaring. Herod hears about Jesus. Oh, this is John the Baptist because I killed him and I know I shouldn't have. <laughs> And then we go into the story of John the Baptist being killed. 
Now, as we said, John did not work miracles in his ministry. John was alive all through the life of Jesus. There is absolutely nothing that would give a foundation to this assumption or conclusion. But how many people believed it? I mean, the disciples even said, who do people say that I am? Some people say John the Baptist. So Herod comes up with this conclusion and people believed it. There's no evidence for it. In fact, there's evidence to the contrary. But still people come out there and say, well, we think he's John the Baptist. So when you run into that today, just understand it's not anything new. People were stupid back in Jesus' day and they're stupid today. Don't ever accept a conclusion without seeing the facts on it. Make sure you get to see the facts. And if you can't get all the facts on a thing, then just come to the reason, reasoning that you cannot come to a conclusion. That's all there is to it. I don't necessarily need to come to a conclusion if I can't get all the facts. Now, we've talked to you before about all those riots and things that would come up. Unless I was privy to all the information that came out that caused the riot, the things that people said, things that people did, I'm not coming to a conclusion, good or bad, about the thing because I'm not privy to all the information. And so I just stay out of it. I don't get my emotions wrapped up in it. I don't go and say, well, this side's wrong, this side's wrong. If, if I cannot get all the information, I can't make a judgment on it. And, you know, a lot of times we're not going to be privy to it. I'm just going to go off the assumption that, well, the people that hear about this, I'm sure we're going to make a, a good decision. Father God, I just pray for them. Father God, as they get the information on this thing, you help them make a good decision, a right decision, and that the right people are punished and the uh, right people are let go or the truth would win out. And we pray that way over that thing. I gave you the reference, I think, in your outline, Mark. Matthew 16, 13 through 14 is one of those places where they said, Who do men say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. I wonder where Jeremiah came from. Why would they think Jeremiah? What possible reason would they say that he's a resurrected Jeremiah? Jeremiah didn't go around doing miracles. He preached the word, but he didn't go around doing miracles. Don't even see the foundation for that one. Verse uh, 17, For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. All right, so he, Herod has a brother. His name is Philip. They're both kings. They both reign over a particular area. Uh, Philip has a wife. Herod has a wife. But they had an affair between Herod's wife and Philip's wife. And eventually, Philip's wife filed for divorce. She filed for divorce, not him. She filed for a divorce from Philip. Once she got the divorce, she came over and, and uh, actually married Herod. So, and I believe that she married Herod when he was still married to his other wife, unless they, and, and, and she did some things. If you want to go back and, and take a look at some, uh, uh, Google, Google uh, Herodias, and you'll find some interesting things out about her. <laughs> oh my, I understand where, uh, how does Herod get wrapped up with a woman like this? But anyway, he didn't want to arrest John, but his uh, false wife, girlfriend, or daughter, or whatever you want to call her, uh, she wanted to. And she didn't like John simply because John had a message for him. Verse 18, For John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Apparently he's not saying this to Herodias. At least the Bible is not telling us that he's saying this to her. He's saying it to him. He's going man to man on this thing. It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him 
but she could not. Hmm. So she wanted to kill him, but whatever it was that was holding her back, she wasn't able to kill him. But she was mad at him. Now, he said this to him, but she got mad at the whole thing. Uh, how dare you uh, expose my problem here? That happens even today, doesn't it? People get mad because you expose some sin in their life or expose some hypocrisy or something that's wrong. They get mad at you. They don't get mad at themselves for doing it. They get mad at you. So John was put in prison for his message. Elijah, he was having trouble because of his message. John's having trouble because of his message. Jesus had trouble because of his message. But it says here that John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, where was John's ministry based? In the wilderness. Where is Herod based? In the city. So, (laughs) does Herod go into the wilderness? Or does John come into the city? Because if John stays in the wilderness, and Herod, Herod the king would have to go out into the wilderness to see John. Or John would have to come into the city. If John had a message, God says, go tell Herod this, then John would have had to come into the city to tell him that. Can you imagine the people's response? John, what are you doing here? Why are you in here in the city? You don't usually come into the city. You're usually out there. This, somehow something weird went on. Either the king is going out to the wilderness to see John, or John is coming into the city and if people ask him, why are you here? I have a message for the king. I'm sure John would say that. God gave me a message for the king. I have to go to the king and give him the message. I don't know if he would say what the message was, but maybe he would have. Apparently it was, uh, it was known. But these, these next verses will throw you. These, these are just kind of stunning. For Herod feared John. He feared John. What about um, in Elijah's ministry? Didn't the king fear him? And then his wife hate him? And then his wife want to kill him? And then Herod's <laughs> false wife want to kill him? Kind of a lot of similarities there, isn't there? For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. So the reason that Herodias couldn't get to John is because Herod protected him. But Herod put him in prison. (laughs) Couldn't be to protect him. Maybe I can keep an eye on you here, whatever it might be, but he he put him in prison. (laughs) Now this next part is very confusing. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Does that make sense to anybody? That's kind of, kind of strangely put. And I, I had a hard time understanding this. And I read it over more times than we've already read it over here. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Well, one thing we can take from this is that Herod heard John gladly. John is condemning Herod for the marriage. But Herod heard him gladly. <laughs> it may have gotten to the point that he saw, man, this woman is t- 
<laughs> I, did, I did my brother a favor. <laughs> Maybe he has come to that spot and he wanted to keep hearing about I don't know what it was. It just seems strange that if he's giving you a message that you blew it, you missed it. Why would you enjoy this? But um, apparently did. I want to read this to you out of two translations. First one is Weast. If you have a copy of Weast, you know it's always really fun to try and find a particular verse because they just kind of said, this is uh, verses 14 through 20. Go, good luck finding them. So uh, we'll pick it up. Pick it up here after the message. Therefore Herodias set herself against him and was desiring to kill him. But she was unable to do so, for Herod was fearing John, knowing him to be a man righteous and holy, and he kept him constantly out of harm's way. And having heard him often, he was, he was in a continual state of perplexity, and he was in the habit of hearing him with pleasure. All right, not quite clearing it up all the way. But it does uh, shed some, some sight on, insight into some of it. Now, Williams, Williams really brings it up very clearly. And you can find verse 20. But I'm going to go back to verse 19. So Herodias had it in for him and wanted to have him killed, but she could not have it done. For Herod stood in awe of John because he knew that he was an upright and holy man. And so he protected him. When he heard him speak, he was very much disturbed, and yet he liked to hear. Now, the thing you heard two, two times in here is that so he protected him. The many things that were done in the New King James were the things that Herod did to protect John. Does that make it a little more clear? And he did many things. Herod did many things to protect John, to keep him from being harmed by, by his... Uh, Wife, I guess you would say. For Herod stood in awe of John because he knew that he was an upright and holy man, and so he protected him. When he heard him speak, he was very much disturbed, and yet he liked to hear him. So it bothered them, but still he wanted to come in and to, and to hear the truth. Don't you know some people, they, they want you to tell them about the things of God, but they don't listen to them? but they still want you to tell it to them. It's almost like it brings some comfort. Maybe I'm getting some points from God because I'm hearing this stuff. I don't know what they're thinking. But it is kind of odd when you run into the folks. They, they want to hear it, but they don't want to live by it. Verse 21. Then an opportune day came. Now, what does that mean? It means, who is trying to get John? Herodias. So though she is not mentioned in this, it is her opportune day. Which means she saw this as an opportunity before the day came. And had made plans to make this opportune day happen. So Herod has no idea this is going on. But his false wife has this in her plans. We've got a birthday coming up. We can do some things on the birthday. Then an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. So we have this feast that came up and Herod's putting it on. 
no one else is, is uh, footing the bill. So it's Herod's birthday, so he gets to spend money and put on a party. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now, a whole lot more goes on than the Word of God talks about in with us. If you uh, read the historian, uh, Josephus, he will tell you that the girl's name, he will actually list the, the name of the girl, uh, Salome is her name. And she has a place in history, and there are some very interesting things about this young lady. I'll give you a little bit of it, but the incredibly, incredible complexities of these people and the lives they live would put soap operas for give them a run. It's just hideous, the things that would go on. But we'll give you a little bit of this anyway. Um, Herodias' daughter, it would seem to be this is her daughter from uh, some other... Uh, some other now, I, I say some other marriage, but who was she married to? She married to his brother, Philip. So if the daughter is from Philip, except that, I'm going to read you something later on that says that she was later married to Philip. How do you, how does she divorce the guy and then set up a marriage for her daughter? I don't know. I just had, I'll read it to you here at the end, but she talked about some messed up lives. That just would be, so it may not be his daughter because there's nothing mentioned in any of the things about him marrying his daughter and like that. So um, I'm going to say that. But even still, if it's not his daughter, that's still pretty sick. That's still pretty pretty sad if you ask me. But this girl is not some innocent girl who's just used. This girl has some twisted things going on if you want to look her up and check out some of the things in her history. And much has been said about the dance that she did, that it was a very unsavory dance and uh, it, more than likely it was. This is not Herod's daughter. It is Herodias' daughter. And more than likely it was a very... Uh, a dance that should not have been done, however degree that it went on. But it pleased him and it pleased all the men that were there. And so he says, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. So he's giving her a blank check. <laughs> So she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Now, if you look at the other Gospels account on this, it phrases this a little bit differently. It phrases it this way. That her mother had told her ahead of time what to ask for. So it happened one of those two ways. And then one of the authors is just kind of getting to the end conclusion of the whole thing. Their mother was, but either way you look at this, the mother is behind it. So if somebody came to you and said, you can write a check for whatever you want up to half the kingdom and you come up, you want the head of John the Baptist. You could have had all kinds of stuff. And that's what you're going to ask for? So she's a little warped herself because I would pretty much say, well, I don't want to ask for that, Mom. I have my eyes on a new house or, or a new chariot 
or uh, I, I would like that uh, that prince over there. I think I'm going to ask for his hand in marriage. Or you set that up. Some kind of something big. You want the head of John the Baptist. And as far as I know, John has not said anything about Salome. She's been, he's been saying stuff about Herod. And in effect, you know, his false wife there. But she comes right back. She makes haste and comes right back. And says, I want you to give me the head of John the, pa- the Baptist on a platter. So I don't want you to just kill him. I want you to cut his head off. And I want to know that he's dead by you bringing me his head on a platter. So here we got this big feast going on and we're going to bring the head of someone who was just executed into the room. Now we've seen enough beheadings going on here and more than we probably have our desire to see. And you know it can be a pretty bloody and gory thing. In fact, they probably edit that off of the news if they show any of that stuff. Let me see if I, let me read this, this part to you about this. This comes from Josephus. Josephus says that Herodias divorced her husband, Philip, for Herod, who was still married to his first wife. Therefore, when John the Baptist told Herod that he was sinning, Herod did not like the message. Who was, who was the young woman who danced before Herod? Josephus tells us the young woman's name was Salome. She was Herodias' daughter and later became the wife of Philip after her mother divorced him. But Herodias, their sister, was married to Herod. Now, this is actual writing from, the, from Josephus. The son of Herod the Great. Herodias, the, their sister, was married to Herod, Philip, the son of Herod the Great, who was born to... Mar- I've seen this before. I can't, can't pronounce it that well. Mariami the daughter of Simon, the high priest, who had a daughter. Salami, after whose birth Herodias took upon her to confound the Jews, I'm sorry, the laws of the country, and divorced herself from her husband while he was alive and was married to Herod Antipas, her husband's brother by father's side. He was tetriarch of Galilee, but her daughter Salome was married to Philip, the son of Herod, the tetriarch of Traconitus. The conclusion he writes here is this. Josephus adds that Herodias joined Herod in exile in, I didn't even heard of this place, Longdunum. Anybody ever heard of that place before? Never heard of that. Anyway, they went to exile there. Herod had been defeated in battle and was exiled by Aretas Salome, who reportedly decided to join Herod and Herodias in exile rather than be alone. The emperor had sent them to Spain and as she was passing over a frozen river, the ice broke and she sank in up to her neck and died. (laughs) So that's how she uh, ended up dying. You don't find that in the Bible. Uh, Josephus is apparently our main source for most of that information. Uh, Verse 26. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. So the king was sad, but here we got pressure because we got all these people around. They're going to see that I made a a promise. He's he's feeling like he's going to be embarrassed. We got pressure. So because of embarrassment, because of pressure, he goes ahead and does what he doesn't want to do. And he didn't want to do and been working hard to keep from killing John. 
He may have been thinking the whole time, if I kill John, something bad will happen to me. Which is why when he saw Jesus, he jumps to the conclusion that this is John the Baptist. So he's sorry, but that's as far as it goes. So we get the head on a platter. So here we are, we get this ceremony. We're not just beheading him, we're putting the head on a platter and bringing it in. It's done right away. So the head is bleeding. And you've got the platter coming in. Blood is going all over the place. Given to the daughter. The daughter takes it and brings it to her mother. How many daughters do you know would take a head that was just caught off of a guy? And again, it's not the most good looking guy. He let his hair go. He let his... Uh, he's eating locusts. He's, he's just not a, a... Probably a real good looking guy. Doesn't, he's not well kept. And now he's been in prison for a while. So whatever he was doing, he hasn't even been doing that. And this is the head that you bring. And she takes that and gives it to her mother. You know, I don't know too many daughters that be able to take that platter and bring it on in. But she did. So it tells you a little bit about her. Verse 29. And when his disciples heard it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. They didn't get the whole thing. They got the headless corpse. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told them all, things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Now, in the previous passage that we didn't uh, read over, this is uh, Jesus had sent out the, 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 um, his disciples two by two, and they were laying hands on ones, and so they came on back and they reported what had gone on. But when Jesus, another passage of Scripture, it puts it this way, Matthew Chapter 14, verse 12. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard it, the death of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And they followed him out there. And that's when they were out in a deserted place. And he fed the multitude and after healing services and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so that's the, the context of that. But this moved Jesus. And this moved the disciples. And what do we think when John, who was such a prominent person that time and the voice before Jesus would come along how is it he's just allowed to be executed and so unceremoniously too he's been protected been protected been protected and all of a sudden he's just his head's cut off now Elijah didn't die until it was his time for God to bring him up he was uh, offered protection in the end we're going to see the two witnesses they're offered protection and it seemed like John has protection up until this point so how is it that this woman who looked for an opportune time, saw an opportune time, told her daughter, this is the kind of dance you're going to do. So she put her daughter out there to do whatever kind of dance was done for the purpose of this request. Fully expecting that Herod was going to ask her, what can I do for you since you've done this for us? Didn't know maybe that he was going to say half the kingdom, but whatever it was, he's going to, he's going to want to repay you for doing a good job. So you need to do a good job on this dance. You need to sell this thing because we need a request from him. And this is the request that you're going to have. I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. We're going to silence that voice. So how does that happen? Because a lot of times we think, well, you know, if I'm doing the Lord's work, I, I shouldn't die. I, I shouldn't have bad things happen to me. The, the power of the world shouldn't overcome me. I should overcome the power of the world, right? But this is definitely a situation where it was the power of the world that overcame 
them. But such shouldn't really be a surprise to us because Jesus, even in a parable, he gave them to the uh, Pharisees and them who's speaking out against them about the vineyard, about the prophets who would come and they beat some and they killed others. It's, these kind of things are going to happen. But John's ministry was done. He had been the voice of the one and he had announced that Jesus was coming. He had pointed out that Jesus was coming. Now, part of the problem could be, too, some of what we saw last week, that John had gone into a bit of legalism and had kind of, kind of gone downhill and even doubted the very thing that he said, that this was the Messiah. And that could have put him in a vulnerable position. Don't know that for sure, but that is certainly a, a possibility. You would think he would have repented or gotten back from that, that after Jesus sent him to uh, tell, tell him the things that are going on and um, explain this to John, see where we go from there. But again, we're going to be doing the same things that we do that we saw in the beginning here with Herod. Herod heard about Jesus and assumed it was John the Baptist. We could hear about John the Baptist dying and we could come to the conclusion, how can that happen if he's a man of God? How can that happen if he's doing the work of God? And we can sometimes see people doing the work of God who die unexplained deaths or things happen to them that we can't necessarily explain. And the thought comes to us, well, obviously, God can't protect those that are his. Well, obviously, uh, he must not have been a man of God or woman of God, whatever it might be. These kind of things will come into us and we begin to entertain them. It is imperative that we remember that if we are not privy to all of the information, do not come to a conclusion. Don't do it. You don't need to be doing it. I think I put it in your outline there. When bad things happen or events we don't understand or expect, thoughts will come to tempt us to come to a conclusion. They are going to come to you. The enemy wants you to come to a conclusion. He wants you to see things and come to a conclusion. The Word of God wants you to investigate and find out. On the basis of two or three witnesses, shall every word be established? If you see your brother sin against you, go to him privately. He wants things to be explained and talked about. Don't come to a conclusion. Yet how many times do you hear people in the workplace? Well, so-and-so doesn't like me. Did you see the way they looked at me? Did you, did you hear that conversation on the phone? That was about me. I know it. I know it was about me. And we come to these conclusions. And you don't need to. Don't come to conclusions. Don't assume that anyone doesn't like you. Unless they come out and they say, I don't like you. I remember uh, listening to Brother Keith. One time he was talking about stuff. He said somebody met him out in the parking lot and says, I don't like you. And he said, that's just because you don't know me. If you get to know me, you'll like me. <laughs> I said, I just made him matter. <laughs> don't, don't come to conclusions. I've seen Christians do this all the time. We come to conclusions based on very little. But once we come to that conclusions, we, we can't be moved off of it. I know that so-and-so doesn't like me. I know that so-and-so is plotting against me. I know that this is going to happen. I haven't talked to the people that are involved. I'm either afraid to, don't want to, whatever it might be, but I've come to the conclusion. Stop yourself from coming to this conclusion. It'll save you a whole lot of worry and anxiety too. I learned this a long time ago. Don't come to a conclusion until you have all the facts. And if I don't have all the facts, I don't come to a conclusion. If I can't get all the facts, I just let it go. And I'm okay with letting it go. I can't say that happened right away. 
but surely I've gotten a whole lot better at it. Even in your body, sometimes pains and aches and things will happen and the thought will come in, well, that's cancer. Well, that's... Inner <laughs> this will come on in. No, don't come to that conclusion. Don't come to the conclusion that that's necessarily something that, that, that's going on. Listen to your spirit. Your spirit will tell you some things. Listen to this. Look at this. Check this out. And, and, and listen to your spirit and the thing. But if, you, and if your spirit tells you this is what it is, all right, we can come to that conclusion. That's what it is. But if the spirit's telling me there's time to fix it, he's not going to tell you something too late. Just listen to him. Well, what should I do about that? Put this in your outline for you. These conclusions are often wrong, unnecessary, and detrimental. These conclusions are often wrong, unnecessary. Oh, please understand that. We come to a lot of conclusions that are completely unnecessary. I didn't need to come to a conclusion. There was nothing forcing me to come to a conclusion. I didn't have to. I just decided I'm going to conclude this and made this decision and it altered my behavior towards a person, towards a thing, towards a teaching, towards a doctrine, towards an event. Everything has been altered to it. I don't need to. You don't need wrong, unnecessary, and detrimental conclusions inhabiting your gray space. Don't let your mind get, get into those things. If you're not privileged to all the information... Stay away from conclusions, both internal and spoken. That means the ones that you think about or the ones that you say with your mouth. Just don't come to that conclusion. The Word of God says, in malice be as babes. In other words, don't come to the conclusion that they were actually trying to say something against you. Just go on and be happy. How's that song go? Don't worry, be happy. Isn't there a song about that? Somehow I'm thinking it's a Jamaican song. It's what? No idea who that is. It is Jamaican. I hear a Jamaican tune in my, in my head with that. <laughs> Isn't that their, their uh, MO down there in Jamaica? Just kind of taking, they're just kind of taking life as it comes. And, uh, but to see, the devil, is, he's not happy with that. He doesn't want you to take life as it comes. He wants you to get worried, anxious, fearful, he wants all these things to come in. He wants you to draw wrong conclusions. He wants you to have wrong beliefs. He wants, to, wants you to get into the habit of coming to conclusions without all the facts. And just don't do it. Just, just don't do it. One of, the, one of those powerful stories Brother Hagen would tell us is when he was in a group of ministers, several, I don't know how many, but a number of ministers, more than two, all in a group, and they were talking about a particular minister who had fallen. And they were telling him the things that he did. Well, if he did those things, Brother Hagin said this, well, if he did those things, then he was wrong. And went on. And God rebuked him for it. I don't know what he did with the other guys. I didn't hear about them. I don't even know who was in the group. But God dealt with him. How dare you speak that way about my servant? Well, Father, I, I didn't saying about him it just was confirming that if he had done something like that then that was wrong he says well first off you don't know what would happen you don't know what he was up against and you don't know if you were in his shoes that you would have done any better <laughs> don't go around passing judgment on fellow servants we just, we just don't need to do it and it will get you in their problem 
You'll be in the, in the category of Herod, coming to conclusions without all the facts, making stupid statements like, well, this is John the Baptist raised from the dead, when it absolutely is impossible for it to have been so. But that doesn't matter. Make sure that as a Christian, take in all the facts. If you can't get them, then let it go. Just let it go. If you are, if it's important for you to make a decision, to come to a conclusion, all the facts will be made available to you. If it's not important for you to come to a conclusion on it, then all the facts will not be available to you. And you need to be able to just rest with that. But there will be pressure from people around you to come to a conclusion, to do something, to say things. Pressure will come from, from people. Don't give in to the pressure. You don't have to come to a conclusion. You don't have to agree with the news people. You don't have to agree with someone's assessment about what happened in whatever city or whatever situation or whatever is going on. You do not have to come to a conclusion about it. If you got all the information, if God has shown you all the things that are involved, got all the things that were, were said, and that's fine. But don't let any conclusion come to a place where it upsets you. Herod got upset. He was afraid. Here's this Jesus. Oh, that's John the Baptist. He's come. He's haunting me. He's come back from the dead. That's what, you know, people like to do that with, with uh, haunted houses or ghosts and things like that. Well, I just know it's so-and-so coming back from the, from the dead. I, I see this on Facebook that, uh, you know, I was in my room and I was all upset and I just felt the presence of my mother come into the room. And I just know it was there to, to give me... Co- if, if your mother's in hell, she can't, can't get out. And if she's heaven, she don't want to. You're going to be one of those two places. But we'll, we'll buy into it because it sounds so, so good. We come to that conclusion. And you try and tell them that wasn't your mother. It won't, you won't get anywhere. And that conclusion is holding that person back. But they don't understand it. So watch your conclusions. Get all the facts. If you don't get them, you don't need to make a conclusion about it. You don't need to be going around saying that Jesus is John the Baptist risen from the dead or any kind of crazy stuff like that. That will hold you back. That will hinder you. Why exactly John was allowed to die in prison? If we are not given all the facts, we do not need to come to an answer. Things like that were, were going on. Brother Hagen used to tell us a story. Uh, Brother Philip shed some light on this story. I never had that light to Brother Philip. Not this last time, one of the previous times he was here. He had uh, come by. We were talking about this. But Brother Hagin would always tell about this particular minister, tell a story about it. And he said um, that God told him, gave him a word for him to judge himself on three areas. Money was one of them. Food was another. And I cannot remember what the third one was. I don't remember what the... But there were three areas he was supposed to judge himself on. And so... um, uh, I think it was a year or two later, it was some time later, that they had heard that this particular brother was in the hospital. He was a, a well-known, very well-known, very well-known. If I told you his name, you may not know it, but during his day, he was one of the most well-known healing evangelists that was around. And so he was um, in the hospital, and they, they said he was probably going to die. And so they were calling for all the faith ministers in this particular church that were there to come up and to, and to pray. And so Brother Hagen, he was in the city in the back with his wife. And so he got out and he walked up to the church and he said as soon as he put his foot on the front, the first step going up to the stage, the Spirit of God said, 
um, he didn't listen to the word that to the, the to what was said that to whatever God had rebuked him for. Didn't listen to that. He'll be dead in three days. Two or three days was some kind of a time. And so uh, Brother Hagen stopped, turned around, went right back to his seat. And as he sat there, his wife said to him, what did God tell you? He said, how do you know God told me anything? <laughs> but she knew. And because she knew him well enough, he said, God said he'll be dead. He didn't listen. And you can't pray people out of that. Now, a lot of people didn't know that, was, that that had gone on, that he was supposed to judge himself in these areas. And when they saw a faith preacher who had prayed for others die, they came to the conclusion, well, I guess this healing stuff isn't real. And you know who loves those kind of conclusions. But you see, they didn't have all the information. They weren't privy to all the information. Brother Hagin shared another story. He said there was, he prayed every single one of his relatives out of death except for one. Except for one. I forget, sister-in-law, um, some, somebody like that. And he was, one of the times he was in heaven, he saw her. And she said simply, Brother, uh, Kenneth, he said, there was a reason. There was a reason. And that was it. He was never told the reason. But Jesus had told him, he says, I want you to never entertain that in your thought life again. And he said, I never have. Because sometimes we can think about, well, why did that happen? And I need to know why that happened because if, if that could happen with someone else and I need to <laughs> come up with reasons. He never entertained it in his thought life again. I'm sure I tried to come in there and, and do that, but, it, but don't do it. If you can't get all the information, don't come to a conclusion. If something is bringing you to a conclusion that is different, contrary to the Word of God, you obviously don't have all the information and let it go. It will cause confusion, worry, anxiety, fear, all those things can come in. You don't need them. You don't need them. Just let it go. Understand, God does not have to tell you all things. Some things belong to other people. It's their business. It's not mine. And I'm perfectly fine with things being other people. I've gotten more fine with it over the years. <clears throat> whole lot more fine. All I have to do is, is I don't want to tell you. Fine. <laughs> and I'll just drop it. I'll never even think of it again because I don't want to know. <laughs> I, just, I have absolutely no desire to know. You know, you, you ever hear, know it here, other people in your workplaces and stuff. That, they, oh, what do you hear about? I have to know. I have to know. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you heard about that situation. Mm-hmm. And they have a drawing and a need for that. I don't. If I hear that going on and it's kind of rumor, I want to get away from it. I want to, you know, la, 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 la. (laughs) I do not want to hear it. I don't want the information coming in. I don't want partial information. I don't want wrong information. It's just something that you have to deal with uh, down the road. We just don't need to to do it. So be careful of the conclusions because the enemy is going to try and bring you to a wrong conclusion. Who do you think told Herod, this is John the Baptist raised from the dead. He's come back to get you. Who do you think said that? The enemy loves to put little thoughts in your head to get you to think along the wrong lines and come to a wrong conclusion and just drive your life crazy. Don't let him do it. Father, we thank you for the wisdom we get from your word that as people came to wrong conclusions, I thank you that you help us to not come to the wrong ones. If we are involved, we get all the information. If we don't get all the information, we don't need to be involved. I thank you, Father, we can be okay with that. And we can rest in that. 
give you the praise and the glory for your word is always consistent. And even though we don't understand all the things that happen in all the folks' lives that are around us, we do know that you are consistent and you are loving. And whatever has happened is in light of those things. And I will forever accept that whatever I don't understand comes in line with my loving Father who would have spoken and warned us about anything before it happened. Whether we listened or not, we don't know. But I know your character. And I trust in that. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.